everyone, and welcome back to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today, we will be talking about the fourth episode of Riverdale Season 7, Love and Marriage. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, the girl with the most special heart, Kirsten McKinnis. Kirsten, how's it going? You know what? Actually, I am going to take that as earnest. I do have a really special heart, and I appreciate (laughs) you recognizing that in me. Um, I'm good. Uh, we're here. I really appreciate you holding down the fort while I was out of town uh, because I was just simply too busy to do any podcast, let alone this one. <laughs> yes, this would be the bottom of your list of podcasts to need no, to do. No, I don't think that's true. Like, I could have, I could have done a BB Can digital daily recap, and I would choose this over that. At least those are quick. Those can That's be those true. can be like five minutes nowadays. <laughs> that is true. You're like, okay, let me watch this digital daily on two X speed. Oh, oh my gosh. Nothing happened. Awesome. Yep. Yep. Oh gosh. Well, yeah. So you you have been away for a little bit, so I do want to know because I think the last time we talked to you was the premiere. Have you been? Look, I'm I'm sure I could guess what your overall impression is, but like from an analytical point of view, what are your thoughts on the fact that they went from oh, it's like a mystery to like we're just like this is just like everyday normal high school high school show again. I mean, it is a mystery. Also, there has (laughs) been a double homicide, so I don't know why you're brushing that under the rug. They barely talked about it in the last Um, two episodes. Yeah, I I think that it's really important that they're doing this because I feel like season one of Riverdale happened, which was really not that wild. There was just, you know, like one murder that needed mm-hmm. to be solved and everyone was up in arms. What did they do to my Archie comics? This isn't like the real comics. This is so horrible. They should have done the normal comics. And now they're like, okay, you want normal life in the 50s? Here it is. And it's bad and boring. (laughs) So be careful what you wish for, everybody. Oh, I have such a hard disagree. We've never been more more opposed. Um, I I like this because I I do feel like it is reminding me of season one in weird ways. And uh, like... I, I think what it is is I find a lot of these characters so much less insufferable in this version. Like, and I'm curious, especially about Archie, because Archie's still the worst character on the show. He's still the, but instead of being actively bad, he's more like, oh, look at that little, little boring dork. Well, but that's the thing. I feel like we don't actually know anything about any of the characters anymore. So they're just two-dimensional. So, if, yeah, they're not as insufferable, but that's because they're just nothing now. Like, I feel like this is the stock photo version of Riverdale. <laughs> uh, okay, so do you think that we're going to just hang here for however long? By the way, I was no. convinced this was a short season, but the other Riverdale podcast I listen to thinks that it's, like, not a short season. No, it's a short season. I, ne- I have never been more convinced. Like, there were blind items about it. Like, these actors just want to be free. There's absolutely no chance they're starting airing a show in March that's going to be more than, like, 14 episodes. Yeah, because I can't imagine. I feel like we're treat like, the show feels like it's treating this like this is the last chunk, not like this is the last chunk that we're going to do a, uh, like, mid-season break or something. Yeah, I don't, I just don't think that that's what's happening. But I do think that the short season stuff are not confirmed and are largely rumors. So we'll have to wait and see. We don't actually know. But I 
hot, like the CW has literally never made money, which is something I learned last year and thought was wild. But they're not in the position to just throw it away at this point, which is what they would be doing by uh, starting a long season in March and doing hardly any advertising for it compared to previously. So I, I think we'll be getting a shorter season, but it's just not confirmed. I would hope so. Although I have found a random website called the Futon Critic that says that the finale air date will be on August 23rd. Oh no. You, which seems very long. I They need to be so real right now because I am not watching this show I was gonna through say, August. If that's happening, goodbye to my opening I'm joined as always by, and it's going to turn into I'm joined sometimes occasionally, yeah, very by occasionally by because I've got. I mean, Big Brother in the this next, summer. In the next couple of months, there's at least one season of Love Island, if not two, plus oh Temptation Island, plus Bridgert, uh, the Bridgerton um, spinoff, plus Mess Magnets, plus uh, I have a full time job and go to right. the gym sometimes. See, when we started this podcast, it was this, all we had. Both this of us. Was, this was all we had. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and this is this is. I was telling Kirsten before the podcast. This is my fifth of five podcasts in the last three days. So like too yeah. many. And too the many problem things. too is with me being on the West Coast and you being on the East Coast. Sometimes it makes chat scheduling kind of hard because yes, like today you're podcasting after eleven p.m. because I wasn't free until yeah. well like, and almost eight. I I wasn't free either. So this is bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, oh, no. anyway, but but I I do feel like that the yes, some of the uh, wildness so far is gone. I don't know what they're gonna do. I mean, you're right. There have been homicides. We'll see. We'll see where they're going. But it's uh, you know what? I, it's fine. I, I like it. Okay. Do you think Hal Cooper murdered her parents? That is the common speculation. I think that we can't also rule out Clifford Bro- Blossom. Even though he probably has an alibi because he said he m- went and met with like the oh, senator yeah, or something. Oh yeah, he was talking to um uh uh McCartney. Uh, yeah, Joe, the guy. Joe. The, he yeah, was the guy something. that did all of the communist like interrogations in front of Congress and was like the Red Scare arresting people yes. for existing kind of situation. Um, no, I think, I think Hal is a more substantive theory, and Mm -hmm. I think that the biggest part of that is how uncomfortable he was to have her in the Mm -hmm. house, because I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right, look into the face of the girl whose parents you murdered. Why why would he have killed them, though? Uh, Well, maybe they were sinners, Mary. Well, I'm sure they were. I mean, they were, they were drinkers, and they were abusive. Yeah, they were, they were drunks, they were mean, uh, and they, maybe they were communists, you know? So I uh, I think there's, there's just some people I like so much better. Like, I like this version of Cheryl so much better. The sad Cheryl that has to hide her identity? No, not that. Like, she's sweet. Like, she's, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but she's not, like, she's not, like, sweet because she's a sweet person. She's right. sweet right. because she's in an abusive environment and can't right. show You're who right. she is to the world. All right, That's okay, sad. I take it back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I would hope at the very least that whoever the killer is, is a, a bad person from, like, prior Riverdale and not from, like, some some new person. Because I don't know what we're doing. I also don't know, is Tabitha just, like, not on the show anymore? Like what, what, She's what? gone. She went on the road, remember? But, like, did the actress get out of her contract? Like, what happened? <laughs> I... Pfft. 
I mean, I don't. Does she have? Is she doing another project? Uh, other projects? Let's let's see. Let's. Is go. she like the eighth person on this show to get pregnant? Like what? Is and you know what? I would be happy for her. Erin uh, Westbrook, right? Yes. While I'm looking this up, of interest to you, I have started getting so many videos on TikTok of the new um, Broadway cast in London of Heathers. <gasps> Ooh. And honestly, they seem kind of bad. Oh, But I don't know if that's just because I don't know Heathers that well. Well, I barely know Heathers, too. I just like the songs. Um, um, have you watched the movie, Heathers? I, no, but I would need to. I feel like it's so I iconic. Don't th- I don't know if you'd like it. I feel like you'd be very disturbed. It's dark, right? There's a lot of murders like, in murder Heathers. Stuff? A lot yeah. of murders. Uh, okay, so, no, I'm not seeing any, like, ongoing projects for this hmm. actress. Maybe it's just like a quick little quick little thing. I mean, she didn't sign the same seven season contract the main cast did. So she it doesn't just, have to be in every episode. I guess it just seems odd. Mostly here's why. Because based on the story they're telling, it makes sense for her to not be there. Because I think otherwise they're gonna be like, uh, how are we gonna deal with this and Jughead and like all the everything? Even though even if this is a different version of Tabitha that doesn't remember anything. But I kind of, like, don't feel like I should give the writers enough credit to say that they, like, particularly wrote her out for story reasons, yeah. I feel like. But I feel like she was a popular character, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, people like her. I think she's super pretty. I never really felt like her character was super grounded in the show. Like, she was always the most normal person most mm-hmm. of the time. And it was really just her and, and Jughead, so... I'm fine with her not being present as much because I just, like, once again, they've distilled the characters down so much to just kind of surface love. It's as if they believe, like, people didn't have full personalities in the 50s is what I'm getting from this season. It's just so weird to me. And maybe that'll be explained away by, like, oh, it's not the part of them was lost because of the comet and the time travel. I don't know. But it's just, uh. Who knows? We will never know because the show will probably end with us still going what in the world they just will happened? never tell us if you think that you will get a satisfying ending to this show mm, think I again i know but uh yeah so if you wanted a comic booky show about riverdale uh, that's what you're getting right now all right let's let's get into the episode i broke these up by couple because everybody coupled up right now mm-hmm. um and it's it's weird there's a, there's a lot of weird couples it's okay. not normal it's <laughs> so much not normal all right um although i already firmly know who my no- most normal person is <laughs> i've got it oh god Just, i haven't even really thought about it okay i feel like it was very obvious okay jughead voiceover things were dire my friend ethel's parents had been brutally murdered the night of the sock hop and suddenly ethel and I were the prime suspects. What's so weird about that is usually the voiceover has something to do with like the end of the previous episode. And like, yeah, kinda. Like, yes, her parents were murdered. Yes, they are suspects. Most of the previous episode was about the makeout party. And- People, what were they going to put in the voiceover about the makeout party? Like, oh, Cut I just spent an evening talking about <laughs> yes. movies with Veronica Lodge, but now I'm in jail. It, I, here's how I would rewrite it. Things were finally starting to look up. I had had a sh- surprising connection at the makeout party with my host, Veronica. But now things were dire. <laughs> I don't know. B- but, and, <laughs> what was it that Jughead's writing would always 
but little did I know <laughs> I would soon be the main suspect in a gruesome homicide. Every time I hear someone say little did I know, I think of you. Just <laughs> like Chuck has a little did I know. It's all he writes. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, all right. So let's talk about Vughead because it's a thing. Yeah. Um, so the bad boy squad is who I'm calling the Sheriff Keller, the principal. Bad and boy the, squad. You got something better? The patriarchy? I don't know. Like <laughs> honestly, yes, the patriarchy. <laughs> All right, they are, they question Jughead and Ethel, and then they like lock him up in jail because they had creepy pictures and comic books and whatnot. Because yeah, Ethel drew a picture one time, and there's a comic about a milkman murdering people, which means obviously she murdered her parents and came up with this elaborate story. I just don't know how Ethel, like, she's, like, wearing a dress. I'm just trying to picture her, like, how is she going to stab two fully grown adults? I don't know. It's fine. She had no defensive wounds. The blood wasn't, like, splattered on her. It was just on her front. I feel like it's very obvious that she ran in and, like, grabbed her mom and was like, oh, my God, she's dead. And then ran to the school instead of calling the police, which is a... A pretty big whoopsie do to make. <laughs> they had, they, like, phones were normalized in the 50s, the, right? There, at the very <laughs> least, there would have been a party line, right? Oh, is true. That, is, is that, what, what was the phone situation? What was the what phone, was the phone situation, situation in the 50s? Yeah, let's in 1955. I have done so much, like, 50, not so much, but I've been Googling, Googling some things throughout this. Very interesting 50s knowledge. Yeah, they had landline telephones. Okay. Well, we saw, like, I saw the Blossoms had one at one point. Um, it might have been sure. just the really rich people had that. In their but house, But yeah. party lines also existed, so she could have called the party line. Yeah. Or, I mean, at the very least, there's probably, like, a like a payphone somewhere. There would have been something, but, yeah. But no, she goes to the school. She said, um, let me run to the school, not to the police, not to my neighbor's house. Let me up. run to the school covered in blood. It's like they wanted, like, a Carrie-esque moment. Yeah, Um, I think that's what they were going for. So, as we've seen in previous seasons, Veronica really likes visiting people in jail. She's a prison wife. She's a prison wife through and through. So, she goes back and Jughead's like, we need to figure out the exact time that we can prove Ethel's parents were murdered so that we can at least say that I'm innocent because I was at the dance all night. And so, Veronica's like, oh, doesn't Riverdale have a coroner? I thought for sure we were going to go see Dr. Curdle. Nope, not. I really did too, but we didn't see him or any small bills. Uh, The other thing too is, and I know that they put this stuff on the record all the time, but accurately saying when exactly someone Mm. died is just not really possible. Though I guess the 50s would have definitely been a time when they would say, ah, yes, definitively it happened at this time. (laughs) No way to prove otherwise, at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, Veronica shows Sheriff Keller the time on the coroner's report and they get Jughead out of jail. And then uh, they're talking at Pops. There's a lot of like Veronica sort of trying to date Jughead, but like throughout well, Jughead sort of seeming not 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 uninterested, just like not. He's distracted. He's a suspect in a murder trial and he's homeless and he has no <laughs> parents. Like, boy, I'm just trying to date you. <laughs> he's like, I just like let's look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. He's at the bottom <laughs> and Veronica's at the top, and he can't get up to the top with her until he meets some very crucial needs. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so the Jughead informs us that Ethel finally opened up to him about what really happened. This does not track for me. So basically, <laughs> so like, weird. this is so weird. So she's like, gets somehow she runs home to where her parents are mad at her because from the from the episode with the dance, we see her leave the comic book place, run home. Her parents are like, "Where are you?" And she's like, "I'm going to the dance with Jughead." And then she goes into her room. Presumably, she then I don't know gets dressed for the dance and climbs out the window or something I because I guess she's sitting at the bus stop waiting for the bus to go to the dance when Julian Blossom drives by and is like, "Hey, pretty lady, let me give you a ride." And instead, he takes her to Lover's Lane, and she's like, "Wait, I thought I was obsessed with Jughead. I don't know. This guy's trying to make out with me. Might as well go for it." But then, like, he gets too handsy, so she slaps him and runs out of the car, and he's like, "You better not tell anybody." Well, no. So what I got from it is that she's waiting at the bus stop. She wants to go see Jughead. And this loser Julian pulls up and is like, oh, you going to the dance? I'm going to the dance. Do you want to go to the dance right now instead of waiting for the bus? And so Ethel's like, oh, yes, Julian, I'd love to get a ride to the dance. I want to see Jughead. So they get in the car and they're driving to the dance. But then he takes a wrong turn and she's like, whoa, where are you going? I thought we were going to the dance. And he's like, haha, baby, we're going to Lover's Lane. And they get there and she's He's like, I don't know what to do. This is a rich, powerful person who has a lot of authority in our town. I guess I'll go along with it. And then he's like, yeah, let's go all the way. And she's like, not a shot. Hits him and runs away. Yeah. And then I guess goes She decides home to go home because to she's find been sexually assaulted. Oh, yeah. No, I'm clear on all that. The part I wasn't clear on was the way that they show the clip when she's sitting in the car with him at Lover's Lane. She's like, huge smile. Like, yeah, let's do this. Well, and I think I was that's like, because that's how Jughead imagines it because Jughead has no concept that she has a crush on him. Right. Right. And I, I guess I'm saying is I'm not surprised at the heel turn to her then uh, slapping him. It's like, of course, you know, consent for one thing doesn't mean consent for everything but i was surprised that she was even interested in the first place then again like you said this is like told to us third hand yeah i don't think she really was i think that jughead just does not understand the uh the different levels here yeah so jughead and veronica confront julian they're like you need to tell everyone that you've been with ethel before the dance so we can clear the time of her parents death and like give her an alibi and julian's like no i'm not gonna do that because i would ruin my reputation because ethel and they're like you're the worst and then jughead punches him and i think my favorite part was when julian was like what the hell jones and i'm like what do you mean what the hell like you just said i would rather have this girl go down for murder yeah because i don't want people to know that i was interested in her like what yeah this is the like worst. brock turner behavior this man's a yeah. monster yeah this is bad stuff so Jughead yells at him to do the right thing. And then I guess he just does. So like, I don't, okay. Julian is um not the most fleshed out character, but okay. All we know about him is that he sucks. He does. He and really does. honestly, good job to this actor for playing someone I hate so much so convincingly. Because I'm <laughs> sure he's not like this in real life. Let's hope not. Um, and I do find him, like, less cartoony than the Jason actor. Oh, yeah, no, Jason looked like a mannequin. He was scary. <laughs> he looked yeah. more like a doll than the Julian doll did. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so Jughead goes free, and then we sort of pivot from there to no one cares about Ethel anymore. Um, well, she's free to go. Who cares? 
Yeah, so now we just move into the, okay, Veronica and Jughead get to date now. So they're like, cheers, we made such a good detective team. I mean, I, did, did they? I mean, I guess, sure. I mean, honestly, a much more effective detective team than Betty and Jughead have ever been. They cleared oh. two people for murder in like 12 hours. Okay, fast, yes. But like, Betty and Jughead solved the murder case. If 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 Veronica can figure out who killed Ethel's parents, then I will give her some props. I mean, did Betty and Jughead really figure out the murder? <laughs> or Yeah, they were like, wait, put on this jacket. Let me reach into the inseam and pull out the videotape. Remember all that? Veronica could have done that. <laughs> Here's guess. the thing, okay? Veronica can be a detective, but Betty could never be the she-wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> So, do you think, let me just ask up front before we talk about it. Do you think Jughead and Veronica, let's let's just even say in this time period, make any sense together? No. What is going on? He lives in an abandoned train car and she has a whole hotel. Okay, well, his abandoned train car gets really nice because she's like uh, can you walk me home? And he's like, I'm actually going to stay at the diner all night. And she's like, what? Stay at the diner? And he's like, yeah, my train car was ransacked by the patriarchy. <laughs> and my dog was put in the pound or something. And oh, yeah. Do like, we actually know where the dog got put or no? Yeah. He says later that he he goes and picks up the dog from the pound. So okay, I, I zoned out at that part. Got put there. I mean, that's good that they didn't just like leave the dog. I was really abandoned. worried something bad was going to happen to the dog. No, dog was okay. It was just like, Essentially, the dog got taken to child services. So. They cared a lot more about this dog's welfare than Ethel's welfare. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. So, well, it's a boy dog. So, you know. Oh, the, well, the patriarchy loves that. Yeah. So, uh, they he stays at the Pembroke and then makes her breakfast and uh, compares himself to little orphan Annie and to her to Daddy Warbucks. What Veronica <laughs> says, and what does that make me? Daddy Warbucks? That was the laugh of the episode. That was the joke, possibly, of the century. <laughs> I felt like nothing has been more accurate than Veronica being Daddy Warbucks to all of these people. She is. She, honestly, the River Daddies are back, and it's Veronica. <laughs> Veronica is number one daddy of Riverdale. She's okay. the only daddy in Riverdale. Who would have thought that we would have gotten to a point where the daddies are her, Clifford Blossom, and Hal Cooper? <laughs> I refuse <laughs> To call Clifford Blossom and Hal Cooper anything other than fathers, okay? Fathers, fathers. Um, all right. The daddy, new daddies <laughs> of Riverdale. Just writing that down. Um, for myself. Okay. Oh no. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So, uh, and then he skips school. He gets the dog, and somehow in the I don't know hour that it takes him to go get the dog, Veronica completely redecorates his entire train car to where it basically looks like the Pembroke, but just like in. In a, in a train Get car. yourself a woman who can do it all, okay? She can redecorate. She can renovate. She can solve a murder. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this was really great. Loved it. And then uh, Jughead tells Veronica that Ethel, Ethel has been taken to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy because we got to circle back to her. And somehow his talking about how he felt guilty leads them into uh, making out by the fireplace. And so truly. No one saw that coming. We have seen so many makeouts with zero chemistry on this show but this one might <laughs> the take worst. the cake <laughs> so bad so bad um i don't well, know because, it, like, she is very good friends with lily reinhardt and 
there are a lot of clues out there that Cole Sprouse did, maybe didn't treat Lily Reinhardt the best, or at the very least, their relationship oh, did not end shocking. on a good note. So shocking. obviously, she's not stoked about making out with her bestie's ex who treated her bad. I mean, if you follow any of the Riverdale cast, even just like slightly on Instagram, over the last, mm, let's say year to year or two, it's been pretty clear that ever since Lily and Cole broke up, like Cole is not not as tight with the rest of the group as the rest of the group is. No, and if anyone saw even one second of the Call Her Daddy interview, they'll understand (laughs) why. Oh, gosh, yes. Did you see the part where he stuck, like, four cigarettes in his mouth? No. I didn't... That might have been doctored. I could be falling for misinformation (laughs) because my media literacy is truly at an all-time low. Uh, but yeah, it was not, not a good look for, uh, Cole Sprouse. I, yeah, I, look, this is why you can't fall in love with your favorite TV characters. Well, and so. I just hope that none of us were ever in love with Cole Sprouse. I was a big fan of Jughead circa season two. Well, yeah, but that was a different world. We didn't right, know any the, better. That's the world that my brain and my heart and all of fan fiction has chosen to stay in. <laughs> oh, not all of fan fiction. <laughs> all right. Um, so I feel like this episode could be subtitled Love and Marriage, colon, the episode where all of the couples have to have the same hair, and that's just how they've matched people up. So let's talk about, we talked about the, uh, the, the raven-haired fellas and the gals. <laughs> Let's, let's talk wow, about- are you part of the patriarchy too now, Mary? <laughs> I don't know. Um, let's talk about the redheads. Okay. Yeah. Runaway bride and groom. Well, mostly groom. <laughs> mostly groom. Groom tried to run away. Um, bride tried to just get brided. So Julian confronts Archie and he's like, can't believe you went all the way with Cheryl. And Archie's like, I didn't go all the way with Cheryl, which uh, last episode, Hannah was convinced they did go all the way. And I'm like, I don't think that happened. <laughs> Archie, didn't Archie doesn't know where to put, where to put his hand. He doesn't know <laughs> yeah. where to put anything else. <laughs> I know. Uh, so he's like, Cheryl, why are you telling everyone that we went well, all the yeah, way? That's the wild part, too, because I feel like Cheryl did not have to tell her whole family she went all the way with Archie to get the level of respect and uh, legitimacy that she gets from dating Archie. She really could have just had the hickey and been like, I went to a makeout party and I was kissing boys in your face, mom and Julian, because my father's absent. Yeah, I think just her going out with Archie Mm -hmm. was enough because I think that the situation is right. Her mom thinks that Cheryl might be interested in girls. And so she was like, got to get Cheryl a boyfriend. Cheryl gets the boyfriend. And then I think from Cheryl's perspective, she's like, if I tell everyone that we have gone all the way and even if I then have to marry Archie, that will either A, get my family off my back for thinking that I'm a lesbian or at the very least or even you know, I think probably more, it'll convince me and myself that I am not a lesbian. Well, and I think, you know, if she gets married, probably in her brain, she was like, I'll get to move out of my house of horrors and have my own life, right? Right. Yeah, I think that's part of it, too. That's definitely part of it as well. But just absolutely wild for a teenage girl in 1955 to go to her parents and be like, yep, I had sex and I feel no regret. Like, that is just not a societal norm. Obviously, people have always had sex outside of marriage. Like, that has 
Ex- it, it, it has always existed. Uh, but to for someone in such a position of privilege in the community to be saying that to her, like, mom over breakfast is so bizarre. Yeah, I think it's, like... She, uh, last episode was like, oh, we need to get that, that prior Riverdale Cheryl, like, energy. Because I think everything we saw in this episode, Cheryl seems so much more kind of meek and mild and not like, I got pinned. And I mean, he really pinned me. That was disgusting. Nobody would ever say that to their parent. I don't care. Like, that was just, that was the puke of the episode, okay? Yeah. Disgusting. Glad that we have that tracking. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, So, but this is where, like, Archie's, like, savior complex kind of jumps in because he's, like, she tells him that if if he corroborates her story, then he will be protecting her from a problem she's having with her family. So he's just like, okay, I like to protect Yeah, because he is truly lassie in these episodes. Like, he is a puppy. His brain is empty. There are no thoughts until it's, like, there's a child in the well. Cheryl needs help. Like, that is all that he's Pretty got much. going on. And it's sad. But also, I don't think there's anything that this actor could do that would make me not hate him. Aww. Have you ever seen anything else he was in? I don't even know. Has he what been else in, in anything else? I feel like, wasn't he like, didn't he play like a country singer in something? Oh, I Lord. Didn't, I didn't see that movie. Okay, I'm looking him up. I'm looking him up. I feel like he was in a couple things that came out like right before, right during the pandemic. And so he kind of like didn't um, get his big break the way that some of the other people well, did. Well, I mean, also, he was never going to have a big break. <laughs> Uh, well, th- but see, I thought, like, Camila Mendez was a horrible actress until I saw her in literally anything else. <laughs> well, yeah, my problem with um, KJ Apa isn't so much that he is a horrible actor, though I do believe that he is. I just feel like, I feel like he's not acting that much in these scenes of head empty, no thoughts, you know? <laughs> Yeah. That's just how I think. Okay, so he was in, in 2018, he was in The Hate You Give. In 2019, he was in The Last Summer. 2020, I Still Believe. 2020, also, Dead Reckoning. 2020, also, Songbird. And nothing else. So yeah, he might have gotten a little bit more of a big break if COVID hadn't happened. But also... Wasn't Songbird... Now, isn't that the one that was, like, the movie about COVID? Oh. That, like, came out, like, right in the middle of COVID? In 2024, a pandemic ravages the world and its cities, centering on a handful of people as they navigate the obstacles currently hindering society, disease, martial law, quarantine, and vigilantes. Okay, looking at the pictures, though, I feel like he has such a different look in this that, like, maybe I could kind of see it. Okay, hear me out. The way he looks in this, he could be, like, he could be on Outer Banks. I haven't watched Outer Banks yet. (gasps) What? It's on my list. My list is very long. I never have time to watch anything I actually want to watch because I'm only watching things to make podcasts. It's really sad. I... I thought I would hate Outer Banks, and it's like one of my one of my favorite. I've heard only good things. It's it's on my list. Okay. Anyway, well, um, unlike other shows, Outer Banks actually is good. So, uh, Mary Andrews is like Archie. This is a big problem. Now we have to go talk to the Blossom family so we can figure out a path through the mess that you and Cheryl have made. Okay, whatever, Mary. So they they go to dinner, Clifford Blossom. Uh, we have yet another scene of Archie being asked questions that he has no answers to. Because his I head the- is so empty. There are no thoughts in there. I love the, uh, uh, well, 
uh, Russia is a is a big problem, sir. I now, love it too because he's very much like, well, you know, obviously he like looks at his mom. He's like, uh, Russia is a big problem, sir. And then Clifford's like, you've got it. You're so right about that. It's like. To be fair to Archie, I'm not sure when I was 16 that I was, like, super tapped into, like, what was happening with, like, foreign affairs. I do think that the Cold War in the 50s is a little bit more top of mind for the average teen because they're having, like, nuclear bomb drills in school and all this stuff. So I do think... Uh, it was a little bit more top of mind than what was going on. Because, like, when we were in high school, it's okay, like, Obama got elected, and uh, there was a lot of stuff in the states about, like, legalizing gay marriage and making things easier for people to immigrate to the states are kind of the main things I remember. Yeah, I remember all of that. It was more like, I'm trying to think... If I knew, like, what was what was Russia doing? <laughs> well, yeah, but Russia wasn't, like, the big bad when we were in high school. People had already kind of pivoted to being more concerned about China. And even then, it wasn't like, oh, we're worried about China because of X, Y, and Z. It was just like, oh, maybe we should all be learning Mandarin. Ha, ha, ha. Right. Yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Ah, oh, those days. Um, so then, okay, this is where we, like, pivot to, like, I don't know, it, things are kind of sweet. Like, Cheryl and Archie have a nice chat about his dad and him watching Western movies and how they always wanted to, like, go to California and be cowboys. And then they kiss in the snow, which reminded me of season one. Remember when Archie and Cheryl were supposed to be getting together and her parents were, like, you need Archie because you're a loser? Well, no, it was because you need Archie because he looks like your dead brother. Bring him home to our family. Yeah, so we're just kind of like, we're definitely mimicking some things from season one. Uh, Mary Andrews is like, we hate the Blossoms, and now you're stuck with them forever, and you're going to get married, and Dr. Werther's is going to be giving you a test. Um, Because luckily, this is a magic test that tells you if you're compatible and also psychologically ready to get married in three questions. No, that was the most absurd thing I'd ever heard in my life. Uh, Also, let's let's take the compatibility test together. Kirsten, do we come from similar backgrounds? I mean, I don't know. I don't probably not really. I like I feel like like I come from a military background, moving around a lot, being Mm. very poor. uh, Also, different. Descends from barons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, okay. That was yeah, really true. funny when she goes, the blossoms are descended from barons, which is also like the lowest level of title you could be descended from. <laughs> and I forget what Archie says, but it was something like they work in my the mills. Da- like, yeah, that's right. Um, let's see. Are we, are you close friends? I, would, I think we're I much closer that- friends than Archie and Cheryl are for sure. I mean, I'm a little insulted that you had to qualify it like that because I would have just said we're close friends, but you are saying we're only close friends in comparison to Cheryl and Archie, but well, okay. I mean, to be fair, we have met in person one time. Multiple times. We stayed nope. in an Airbnb two together two for times. like a week and also you came to visit. You're right, it was two times. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. You're really bad at remembering who you've met and haven't met and it really you know makes me so happy. It's it's the whole it's the whole Airbnb. That like just happened also when I went to the Raleigh live show. I was like, "Hi." I was like talking to someone and they're like, "We've met before." I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> okay." Well, it's fine. Um <laughs> Um, it's fine. It was only a Survivor's that I probably should have remembered. No, stop. Wait, which Survivor was it? It was Owen. (laughs) so bad. Because I was like, oh, Owen, I'm so excited to meet you. And he's like, we've met. (laughs) Oh, yeah, he was in Philly, right? I met, I literally met him like two months earlier. (laughs) Or not two months. It was like four months earlier. I met him in like November. (laughs) Again in March. Mary. (laughs) <laughs> I'm so sorry. Mostly it's that I assume nobody remembers me. <laughs> I love that so m- I'm sorry. That's that's one of my favorite things I've ever heard in my life. And it's also true like in general people should just be like nice to meet you too. But then <laughs> when people don't it's really funny, which is why I've done that to both um Sam Moore and Jordan Kalish where they try to pull the nice to meet you and I'm like, "We've met because it's like, are you kidding me? You are big timing me? You of all people are big timing me? <laughs> and they both say, oh, I didn't think you'd remember me. Whatever. Get out of town. All right. And for all of y- you who don't know, we just talked about a lot of podcasting. Survivor people, it's fine. I um, mean, I would our, hope most I'm of you. I'm sure the that our audience have gotta be is like, like 99% overlapping with our AJP, right? It should be. Let's hope. Let me know if it's not. Yeah, We'd if you don't know about Rob has a podcast and you just like Riverdale, please let us know, preferably in a five-star review. Yeah, yeah, please. Please in a five-star review. Um, All right, let's see. What else we got? So um, we went on a little side plot where Werther's goes on a rant about how it's super difficult for men to remain faithful, but a kind word, a home-cooked meal, and a sympathetic ear can keep a wandering eye in check. Nah. Werther's is, is the worst worst he's just like such a creep like this whole conversation is so bizarre but then the best part of it is when archie is talking about this with betty after and he's like oh yeah he explained everything love starts when you're 17 and it grows to its peak when you're 21 (laughs) yeah that hurt all downhill from there that hurt to hear oh my gosh i mean i would say the relationship i started when i was 17 it probably was at its peak when i was 21 I should have quit while I was ahead. Oh my gosh, you know what? That's like so true also for me. No. Oh but no. Also, that doesn't mean there's no chance at love. You can and will find love again with the right person at the right time. Oh gosh. I don't know. I'm past my peak. <laughs> so so yeah, Betty's what? like wait, stop. Wait, blah, blah, blah. You're 28, right? I meant I meant according to his chart. I was oh. past my peak. <laughs> well, yeah, no, but like, literally in real life, you're not past your peak. Uh, yes, I'm not. Just for the I'm record. Not. I'm doing Thank you. Appreciate that. I needed that. You should write it to me in a love poem. <laughs> That's what Cheryl says. She's like, I heard you wrote a love poem. I would just like to say, in the span of two episodes, Archie writes three love poems for three separate women. So <sighs> shout out to him. Um, So Betty is like, Archie, you shouldn't marry her if you don't love her. And he's like, maybe I'll grow to love her. And she's like, there's a difference between saving someone and loving them. Marriage is forever. And Betty kind of speaks in some truth here so well not not about the marriages forever part but like 
well, about but like there's being a difference between saving someone. And I think someone. when you're a teenager getting married in the 1950s, your marriage is probably gonna last yes. because you don't you can't have a bank account as a woman, so you kind of have to stay married. Yeah. Yep. Probably. So they go talk to Clifford Blossom again. Also, seriously, like on my bingo card of who's coming back for season seven, would never have put Clifford Blossom on that. Where is FP? <laughs> It's like, because the problem is that all of the main cast, like, adults that we had in the beginning, not like the side cast, but like the main cast. So we had Alice Cooper. All right, she's still here. Thank you, Machen, for just, like, holding down the fort for us. But, like, FP, Fred Andrews, and Hermione, like, gone, gone, gone. Which is, like, well, pretty Yeah, sad. but it's not Fred Andrews' fault. Well, no, obviously, <laughs> obviously not. But I'm just, I'm just wondering of, like, yeah. I don't know. I guess I guess part of me wonders if if Fred Andrews was still on the show, obviously completely different world. Yeah. Would FP have stayed? I don't think so. I think that actor wanted to be gone uh yeah. because he is a human that had to work on Riverdale for many seasons. Yeah. Plus it wouldn't have really made a ton of sense for But him it would to... make sense for him to be here now. Yes. Bring him back. I mean, honestly, they could recast someone else to be FP also. Like we're in a totally different different decade it's it's fine the character we have of FP could still be there yeah we could we could do that oh man mm. yeah because the whole jughead thing really doesn't make any sense he so why is he in an abandoned train car i don't know but now it's legit Ugh. um okay so uh Cl- clifford is like uh what do you guys think of your marriage and cheryl's like well we want to get married in Niagara falls and he's like nope you're gonna be married here by a judge and then archie will work part-time at the naval factory and then after high school you're not going to college because college is dumb and a waste of time instead he's gonna start working for me and then take over and then cheryl you're gonna learn how to run this estate and then you're gonna take over and she's like what if i don't want to live here and he's like too dang bad yeah well and i mean this is a great situation for rg like he would increase his uh earning potential exponentially by taking this on yeah, and then you just have to figure out who the bad guy is. Maybe it's Hal Cooper. Hal kills Clifford. Out of your way. Boom, you've got Thornhill. Boom. But you got to get the um, Penelope also in that case. Oh, right. Yeah, well, he's uh, Hal's done a double homicide already, so he could do another one. Possibly. Um, then there's, like, some postcards, and there's, like, some thinking like kind of thinking wistfully and then archie's like i don't know cheryl i think that plan that your dad came up with is just a lot for me considering we're lying about the fact that we had sex anyway and she's like i know i'm asking too much of you and he's like it's okay i have another plan we're gonna move out west to california get away from your family i'm gonna get a job on a ranch or being a folk singer no i thought we were done with the singing please we, were, Archie, we please. will never be done with that horrible singing poems are just a step away from songs mary and he's written gateway drugged <laughs> to being a folk singer exactly yeah um and uh so it's like we've now taken it to the point of if you're not gonna get married here if you're gonna say no to clifford blossom you don't need to run away like you don't still need to be together but archie's like i still want to rescue you and let's create our own life because he's a puppy and he's like please can i rescue you (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, Tony confronts uh, Cheryl about this because she overhears and she's like, mm, you can't outrun yourself. And Cheryl's like, you don't know anything about me. And she's like, actually, I kind of do. Probably. I This, Kate, everything with Tony and Cheryl this season has made absolutely no sense because every indication is that they are complete strangers who have barely spoken. And so... I mean, I guess fair enough if Tony has, like, a perfect unimpeachable gaydar and can tell that Cheryl kind of has a crush on her. But the way she inserts herself into this and is like, read this book and see if it is true to you. And it's like, well, that's a book that Cheryl's probably going to get the crap beat out of her for having later. Cool. Like, good work, Tony. Yeah, I feel like she should have prefaced that with like, come here to this coffee club and read the book whenever you want and I'll bring it here so that you don't have to get caught with it. Like, and also, obviously, Tony has a crush on Cheryl too or she wouldn't be doing any of this. But like, can you keep your own business to yourself and stay out of other people's business, Tony? Why is she in everybody's business? Back off. Especially because Tony, I feel like, is smart enough to recognize how this could be a problem for Cheryl in her family. Yeah. And that, like... She doesn't maybe, care. Yeah, it's like... It's this sort of weird line of, like, Tony seems to be sort of, like, trying to get Cheryl to out herself, essentially. Yeah, it's, um, I, the way I'm thinking of it is they are kind of having Tony as, like, everyone's big sister and kind of the, the pushing force for modernizing Riverdale and making it a more accepting place. But then she's pushing on things that will not go well. Like, Cheryl will not be accepted if she comes out. Cheryl will not have a good life in the 1950s if everybody finds out that she is gay. Yeah. Yep. Yes. 100%. So, gotta get these people back to the present. Yes. Um, So, yeah, that's... uh, Archie is at the bus station and Cheryl's like, sorry, I can't go with you. Um, In general, I I liked a lot of this scene, except Cheryl does, like, this weird thing with her sunglasses where she pulls it down to her nose and then proceeds to have, like, a very emotional conversation. (laughs) (laughs) what is going on my cat just like rocketed forward to come like nuzzle me oh that's a cat who knows what it wants oh um but yeah i just feel like when you do the move of like pulling the sunglasses down on your nose Mm -hmm. that's for like to have like a little sexy conversation or a mean conversation it's not to have an emotional one and so it just doesn't come across i love this the body language of sunglasses it's a thing it's a thing um so this is the point where tony gives her the book like you said the cost of pepper and uh archie is gonna write a poem for betty because cheryl's like maybe the girl for you is the girl next door yeah cheryl's Um, like let's redirect your affection because the minute you see another woman you will want to marry her archie just needs to be told to go for someone and who goes for them So here is the poem that Archie wrote for Betty. The morning light washes over her window as she pulls back her, and then on the next line it starts with her, so there's a little little righto, her blonde hair sparkling like a thousand suns. I, and then it says blank blank, I couldn't read those words, love. I want to love. I I choose to love. 
choose to love, can't I help know. love. It, you I know, know I can't read things on the screen, so I didn't know anything. Anyway. Um, and uh, that's when he goes downstairs and finds a suitcase by the door and Uncle Frank is here and he's got way darker hair and a mustache. And he's like, I came to town to knock your head. To knock some heads, starting with yours. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't need Frank to come back. I was actually really done with Frank. Frank is the worst. I hate Frank so much. Do you think that Frank will cause marital disputes for um, Hal and Alice? Oh, right. Because we had like a weird Alice yeah. and Frank situation i don't know maybe maybe frank is the murderer no he would have already been in town at least that's true um all right let's blow through this one because this one was pretty boring uh breakups and sex books so kevin and kevin gives betty the book back and he's like i want to wait till marriage and she's like actually i don't like that you're the one making all these decisions so we're gonna break up yes. and then tony's like maybe more girls should be like you and ask for the things you want let's go to the dark room oops kevin is dancing with clay yeah, Tony's like, let me out two people in a time when it is literally illegal for them to exist, not knowing how Betty is going to react. Not only that, but I mean, I, I do think that it was an accident. Like, I don't think Tony knew oh, that they were there. I did not think but- it was an accident. <sighs> I don't know, because she was like, oh, you don't need to see this. Let's go. But yeah, it was kind of, I don't know. It's a little too coincidental. My question here is for Kevin Clay, in the 50s, was there like, I mean, unless this coffee shop is like an underground, like safe haven for gay people, is everyone else there just like not not gonna like rat you out? So I I assumed it was kind of, it it must have been a serpent run organization and it's kind of the thing where like gay bars existed but they were all run by the mafia because the mafia was already doing illegal shit so they didn't care if people did that there. Hmm. So I guess that's like But like still. One one point to the mafia. Well, but yeah, but it's not like they were making a nice place and they would let the um, queer people get arrested on a regular basis so it's it's not uh, all good gotcha interesting so betty talks with her mom and goes ahead and outs kevin to her mom and her mom's just like oh it's fine he'll get over it and then and then after the carnal passion wears off he'll be ready to settle down with you and she's like excuse me what do you and think we're to believe that hal is gay in this world and so alice is just like speaking from experience at the very least they have a horrible sex life <laughs> Well, at the very least, there's no passion up for debate. We knew. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, there's no passion there. So I think she just, I think Alice is just coming from a place of speaking from her own experience and assuming that that's all that's out there that Betty could hope for. She thinks for making babies and nothing else. Oh, poor Alice. She needs to read the book. Um, and uh, and Betty talks with Kevin and she's like, I saw you and Clay. It's okay. Uh, first, he kind of denies it and then he's like, yeah, but like I I feel bad for uh, wasting your time. And she's like, you didn't waste my time. I don't know. That's yeah, she it. says, I don't, I don't think our time was a waste. Yeah. Um, Alice confronts Betty because she finds the book and betty is like the book is the truth it's helping me make sense of my life and alice is like no you're too young to read that and then ethel's like oh the book is mine this is my biggest issue betty acts like she found this book at ethel's house and it is now hers and even after ethel's like the book is mine betty like grabs it and runs away with it i'm like i'm sorry did you ask ethel if you could have this well no but betty needs it because she's going to probably learn about self-love at some point soon Mm, true true 
Um, and then Betty tells Kevin that he's brave and she tries to give him the pin back and he's like, actually, the pin was your mom's. So oh, Betty Betty's confronts her pissed. mom again. She's pissed now because she's like, why were you meddling in my relationship? And Alice is like, I'm sorry. I just, I'm right about this. I know it. Everything is good. And like, I don't know, whatever. And uh, also she sent Ethel to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy, um, which is not great. Uh, apparently there are rumors, even in this time, that the sisters do experiments on people. Um, and Alice is like, those have been debunked. But so I guess you. in this world, Alice never spent any time at Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Well, see, that's the thing. It's like, it's not, it's not history, right? They're not, these are not, they're not playing their grandparents or great grandparents. They're, so it's, it's just like we took all the people, stuck them in the 50s, got rid of all their history. Like, I don't know if it means we pushed all their history back. It's, it's very confusing, especially when it comes to the Coopers and the yeah. Blossoms, because I don't even think that, like, how Cooper should be a Cooper. Like, I think he should be a Blossom if, all, I don't know, it's confusing. Um, so, and then Alice burned the book. Well, and wait, that's no. the end of that. He would be a Cooper, because wasn't it that, like, Hal's grandparents' grandparent? Oh, you're right, maybe. It was a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. But I, I just don't, I don't even know if that history, like, I don't know that that's true. Like, I don't know if they are related in this, yeah. in this we time We don't period. know anything. It's fine. Yep. So, all right. And then for our final little quick plot line, a bun in the oven. Midge tells Fangs that she's late and scared, and he reassures her that he's there for her, because Fangs is a good one. Um, He tells Tony that Midge might be pregnant, and Tony's like, let's meet at the biology lab. I've got a foolproof test, and we're going to do it. They get to the bio lab, and she's like, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to inject some of Midge's pee into a frog and see if it lays eggs overnight. Now, I looked this up because I was extremely curious about this. This is called the Hob- Hodge- Hodgebin? Hob- Hogbin or Hodgebin, I don't know. Yeah, test. And um, I read a lot about it. Apparently, it was like basically the first form of, birth- uh, not birth control, the first form of pregnancy tests that people used widely and that it, even to this day, has been stated as being like extremely accurate, like almost 100%. Like it's, um, and they said that even though the frogs weren't harmed because you inject it into like their skin- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. basically um uh i don't know i'm not sure why it like fell out of favor i mean i mean, I mean probably because people frogs, would much but... rather test a like blood or urine for hcg yeah that makes more sense so anyway it was Can you um, imagine super, if you went to the doctor common. and they were like okay pee in this cup we're gonna inject into a frog and then we'll let you know tomorrow if it lays eggs it says so they tried doing it with okay it says there's a bunch of different animal-based pregnancy tests oh um and it seems like this one was the most reliable good to know they tried mice rabbits Eh, interesting um but yeah so super accurate and no frogs were killed and it was time effective reliable rapid response anyway um thought that was interesting so the frog has like a billion eggs some midge is super preggers um tony's words found it very off-putting when tony said yep you're preggers and i was like would they have said that in 1955 i feel like no because when Doughead said awesome, he got looked at weird. So there's no way. Yes. Um, Tony says Fangs needs to clean himself up and go ask the clumps for Midge's hand in marriage. He tries, but he said that it was really bad. They forbade Fangs from seeing Midge again. And Tony's like, mm, I was afraid of that. Midge is rich and white and Fangs, you're not. And you're a greaser wannabe rock star. So what we're going to do is we're going to stay away from Midge, like her parents said. And we have four months until she starts to show in order to make you a rock star. Then you're going to repropose. 
And they can't help but say yes because you're famous now. Not sure that that really. Listen, I don't know what parents in the 50s were thinking about letting their teenagers get married, you know? Don't know. Don't know. And that was the episode. What Um, a ride. Title of the episode, Love and Marriage, uh, is a reference to a lot of things, but I went with the 1955, because of the date, song written by Sammy Kahn and Jimmy Van Heusen and sung by Frank Sinatra. It's also various names of TV shows and etc. Well, and that's the theme song for Married with Children too, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Probably. I listened to the song. It sounded vaguely familiar. It's like love and marriage go together like a horse and carriage. Is that it? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> Let me see. Love and marriage. Um, Not love and marriage DC or love and marriage Huntsville. These are the TV shows. Yeah, it is. So I'll, I know the song. You're right. Okay, cool. It Good is the theme song for Married with Children. Nice. Um, I want to shout out to Cry Dins on Twitter. Thank you for reaching out to me for a missed Close But No Cigar from episode three. Although it was really only half missed because Hannah and I were like, we're sure this is a Close But No Cigar. We just don't know what it which is. Which one was it again? <laughs> so the book um, that Betty has been reading, which was just called Human Sexuality by Albert Kingsley, is a reference to Alfred Kinsey, who mm-hmm. wrote many books on human sexuality. So he was a sexologist, biologist, and professor of entomology and zoology. And the and Kinsey 19- scale is named for him. Yes. In 1947, he founded the Institute for Sex Research at Indian Indiana University, which is, and he's most famous for developing the concept of the Kinsey scale, that sexuality is a scale between two extremes and is not binary. Um, so thank you, Cry Dins. Uh, Alfred Kinsey wrote Sexual Behavior in the Human Male and Sexual Behavior in the Human Female, two separate books in the 1940s and 50s. So uh, d- definitely a close but no cigar for Albert Kingsley. Um, and then there was a close but no cigar for this episode, um, another book, The Cost of Pepper, which is the book that uh, Tony gives Cheryl to read, is a, ref- a close but no cigar for The Price of Salt. Of course. Um, the Price of Salt was a 1952 romance um, novel by Patricia Highsmith, and it was first published under the pseudonym Claire Morgan. Um, what I thought was really cool about this, actually, this was like a really cool piece of prop work in the uh, episode when they show the like, cover of the book. Um, it's not the same as the cover of the real book, but it's very similar. It's like two women sort of leaning against a car. Um, yeah. So I thought it was pretty cool uh, that they made that. So look at us moving along with the Close But No Cigars. And my question for you is, who is the most normal person of the week? Now, you said you had a very obvious answer. You know, I did. But then after talking about it, I feel like I now don't know how obvious it was. I watched it and I felt like Tony was because she was always like the voice of reason for each person. She was like, Betty, you can get over your the thing with Kevin. Like you, more people need to be like you, like Cheryl you don't need to run away from your problems and things you need to like go you know ask whatever's hand in marriage i never would have thought we'd be here with you pushing for tony to be most normal person and me not thinking she acted normal at all yeah but see after you talked about it i was like maybe she wasn't that normal so i think she was very normal for like modern day but not normal in the context of the episode or where she was but like none of them are normal is the problem like it's all so weird like 
I guess, because it's not normal for Archie to be like, yeah, I'll just marry this girl and say that we had sex when we didn't. That's not normal. Cheryl, I guess Cheryl is like kind of normal because she's trying to escape her abusive household by any means necessary. But like, it's not that normal. Um, uh, Jughead tried to get his friend out of jail. Is Was know. Betty normal? Betty might have been kind of normal. <laughs> Betty was pretty normal. I think she was a little advanced for the 1950s, but I feel like she was pretty, I mean, th- the problem is like who's most normal for 1950s probably like alice but like alice sucks oh yeah but no if it's who's most normal for the 1950s it's like mary andrews do we really want to do that no No. yuck so i guess i guess we go with betty then i i we both don't feel good about it but i don't know who we would feel better about kevin (sighs) i just don't think it's not julian No, I just feel like even if Kevin is like, first off, I could not tell if he was lying because like his mom, apparently he has a mom in this time period. His mom called Alice supposedly and was like, she's like, oh, he's so distraught over this breakup. And like, was he? And then he said that he was crying in the locker room and that's when like Clay comforted him. But like, was that a lie or was that real? Like the thing is, is it's not like he hates Betty and he's just using her, right? Like I think that there was probably a lot of hopes and wishes tied to his relationship with Betty where he wanted to want her in that way, right? Like I'm sure that he he would have rather been able to fall in love with Betty rather than have such a difficult path, right? And so it's almost like the death of that dream of being quote-unquote normal, as well as the loss of a really good friend and also a cover story for his other feelings that he can't express. Are you surprised that he felt comfortable enough to then dance with To Clay be dancing in, public, in the though? coffee shop is just why I can't argue for it to be him. I know, but it's like otherwise it would have been him. I don't know. Maybe it is Betty. Maybe it's just Betty. Because I mean, like she acted pretty normal, like for a teenager. Yeah, she, like, like kinda, I like, wish she mom, hadn't outed Kevin to her mom, but that probably is like a pretty normal thing that someone would do in that situation. Yep. Like not me, All right. but like somebody. Somebody. Mm. Okay, well, let's give it to Benny. Okay. Um, all right. Well, another episode done. And you know what, Kirsten? I would just like to say, no matter how much you hate this show, you're always a pleasure to talk about it with. I like and- podcasting about it with you, or I would have <laughs> quit a long time ago. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, you know what, like, we've got, like Kevin and Betty, we've got years of rapport. <laughs> and yet you haven't pinned me. I'm sorry. No, but I did just notice for the first time that the Riverdale mug is, like, behind you on your little shelf. Yeah, because so. the handle broke off, so I can't use it oh, anymore. No. I could probably super glue it back on. That's okay. It's fine as a decoration. I, I literally cried be. when the handle fell off. I hope you know. Oh, that's sad. That's the worst. Um, all right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. That's all for this week's episode. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be back next week for episode five. Until then, you can follow me online at Frail Mary on every platform. And if you're interested in the other four podcasts I did this week, uh, two are probably irrelevant by the time you've heard this because they were Survivor and Big Brother Canada podcasts. That if you're if you're not watching the show live, I don't know how interesting that's going to be. 
Um, Love is Blind season four just ended and we had a really great time discussing the finale and the reunion over on the reality TV wrap ups with Asia Welch, Mari Forth and Omer. Uh, I also will be on the next episode of the Crime Scene podcast with Sarah Carradine and Mari Forth uh, discussing the Netflix documentary about the Boston Marathon bombings of 2013. So that was a really heartbreaking watch and a difficult discussion, but um, it's a it's a really good and um, well-made documentary if anyone is interested in checking that out. Uh, Kirsten, what have you been up to? Truly, I was out of town, so very little, but you can- How was that? It was so nice. <laughs> it was really, really nice. Um, but you can listen to Mess Magnets, where Sasha Joseph and I are going to be breaking down this week. Uh, well, I, I don't know when this is coming out, but it will it should probably come out around the same time as our 52nd Mess Magnets, our one year. Ooh. And we are doing a little awards show for the stories that we've already covered, and it's going to be really fun. So check that out. And of course, always check out BoJack HorsePod. Uh, even though it's on a little bit of a hiatus, there's lots of episodes you can go back and listen to about BoJack and about Tuka am birdie and you can follow me everywhere at kirsten said what including twitch.tv slash kirsten said what all right until next time bye